Greetings from the Poconos in Pennsylvania. A few weeks ago, Keith Knight of the Don't Tread on Anyone podcast did a reading and a commentary on one of my articles which I had published at the Mises Institute called How Markets Have Delivered More Economic Equality, in which I mentioned that even though we're told that capitalism creates large disparities in income and wealth and inequality, in the material sense, we're actually the most equal society ever. I hope you enjoy episode 191 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. And thank you to Keith Knight. If you believe 535 people have the right to coercively rule 330 million strangers, you do not believe in equality. Welcome to Keith Knight, Don't Tread on Anyone, and the Libertarian Institute. Today, I want to go over an article by Anthony Samaroff titled, How Markets Have Delivered More Economic Equality. The image you see here is the concept of individualism, not just people doing their own thing on an island, but people respecting the individual judgment of others by allowing them to voluntarily disassociate, whether it's with their time or their money. That is people seeing each other as equals. On the right, however, we see the concept of uh, coercive collectivism, where uh, people are not treated as equals. Some people are having the right to initiate violence against others. In the material sense, however, we are the most equal society that has ever been. A billionaire has a Maserati or a Rolls Royce, but he can't drive on the streets much faster than you or I can. Yet there was a time when the rich were carted around in horse-drawn carriages while most people walked. The former is a form of equality. Pineapples and other tropical fruits were once rare and highly valued exotic items. In fact, Charles II of England is seen being presented a pineapple, surely worth thousands of pounds, in a 17th century painting. Nowadays, the rich frequent swanky restaurants, but most people in Western countries have access to more calories of quality food than they could ever eat. That's not all. The richest person in the world can't get that much better of a broadband connection than you can, or a much comfier pair of shoes, bed, or couch. In terms of the operations of day-to-day -day life, we are becoming more equal. Increasingly, everyone, even those in third-world countries, have access to a smartphone which can reach the internet and all the education, art, music, culture, and social media that everyone else has access to. A rich person has a flush toilet. You have a flush toilet. A rich person has water coming out of his taps. You have water coming out of your taps. A rich person has electricity. You have electricity. You can afford soap. You can eat fruit that is flown in from all over the world in every season. The richest lord in the world a couple hundred years ago couldn't even dream of the luxury that people who are considered impoverished in first world countries live in. Competing for resources under a socialist regime. Burgess admits to wanting to place institutions like banking and finance, utilities, health care, and Lord knows how many others under so-called democratic control in the name of egalitarianism. But we have to wonder how the masses are going to vote on how the public gets access to telecommunications while still serving the user. Ultimately, private business owners are answerable to the consumer. It might look like they get to boss everyone around and make decisions, but if someone does it better, they are out of luck. They will be replaced by a competitor. Removing the market does not solve the problem of competition. 
if this is indeed a competition, there will still be plenty of competition for government contracts and favored positions, even once institutions are under democratic control. Ultimately, someone is going to have to make decisions when it comes to who gets what, and they will wield a disproportionate, dare I say unequal, amount of power, and likely will get rather a lot more than most people. Excellent point by Samaroff here. What is democratic politics if not a bunch of liars competing with who has the best rhetoric to convince millions of ignorant people to vote for them instead of the other person? Ultimately, it is true that the more dollars you have on a free market, the more votes on what is produced and by whom you get. But as I've explained, the excessive wealth of the rich is not stored under a mattress. The only way they can keep it is if they invest in things that serve the public by creating better products and services. If they invest in lines of production no one wants, they will lose the investment. In this way, the market, to the extent that is, it is indeed a free market, with only mutually agreed upon exchanges, forces an alignment of the interest of those who possess the wealth with those of the consumers. The consumers decide what the rich have to invest in to stay rich with their votes. Gene, Gene Epstein, mentioned over and over in the debate that those who make up the ranks of the working class control a disproportionate amount of consumer spending and therefore have a more equal say in how our society functions than most people would think. The issue of health care. We can pit the market against socialism in the most seemingly inegalitarian case, which is the economics of life and death, namely health care. In a debate with me, Burgess expressed horror that on a free market, a rich person could buy their way to the front of a queue for life-saving treatments and said it would be better if the state rationed these things. This seems to make sense if we take a steady state view of the economy, but economies are not fixed. Suppose there was only one surgeon who could perform the operation, allowing the highest bidder to get first access to the surgeon would bring so much money in that it would be possible to calculate how much time the surgeon should be performing operations for the very wealthy and how much time he should spend teaching others to perform the same procedures. It would send out a signal to all other surgeons that this is a desperately needed specialization and that they should stop what they are doing immediately to train up in the new style of operation. In the long term, far more people would have access to the procedures at an affordable price than if the state merely rationed out access to places. In the latter case, waiting lists would be huge and people would die for want of qualified surgeons. A strange form of equalization tends to occur over time whenever the market is allowed to function. Is access to health care in the USA unequal at the moment? You bet. But this is only because the market is not allowed to function. So on top of things like Medicare, Medicaid, the FDA, occupational licensure, all these major aspects that uh, use coercion to violently stop people from engaging in voluntary exchanges, which would lead to more competition and lower prices in the long run, we actually have examples of cosmetics decreasing in price over time. This is according to the Foundation for Economic Education. For the top 10 most popular cosmetic procedures displayed above for the last year, none of them has increased in price since 1998. 
more than the 47.2% increase in overall consumer prices, meaning that real inflation-adjusted price of all 10 of those procedures has fallen over the last 18 years. For the three most popular procedures in 2016, Botox, laser hair removal, and chemical peel, all non-surgical cosmetic procedures, the nominal price for each has actually fallen since 1998 by large double-digit percentage declines of 11.3%, 21.7%, and 34.8%, respectively. So one of the main things under government or democratic control is the police. Are the police like really equal do they listen to me just as much as they listen to Congress? I mean, surely Congress, they, they work for me. I'm basically the boss. I should be bossing around the policemen, telling them not to resist me and whatever I say they have to abide by or I'm going to shoot them if I see their hands move too quickly. Of course not. This is a joke. It has nothing to do with egalitarianism. The government has a right to make executive orders and if you don't follow them, they cage you and shoot you if you resist. And that's equality to the Ben Burgesses of the world. What a fucking joke. That is why, at first, hardly anyone could afford a computer. But because the greedy rich opted for exuberance rather than charity, buying expensive computers rather than giving away their money to the poor, the companies that made those computers could afford to fund the research that led to relative supercomputers that you are reading this article today on, affordable to you. The title of the article I mentioned earlier from the Foundation for Economic Education is If Cosmetic Surgery Has a Working Market, Why Can't Medical Care? The, the example on the left I used is Gordon Gecko's phone in Wall Street. So in the late 80s, this is the fat cat. This is the guy with all the money, has a cell phone that none of us would be caught dead with today. Of course, we could see uh, progress in all spheres of uh, influence where the state does not have a monopoly. So if we look at things the market provides, you can actually develop a concept of trickle-down economics, where over time, people in lower-income brackets get access to products and services that a few generations ago, only the rich had access to. And when they had access to them, they were of lower quality. So things like books, for example. Um, a lot of people had uh, access to books throughout history, but... What percentage of people had access to the information the average person has as a cause or result of Wikipedia and Amazon Books and the Khan Academy and Mises.org? I mean, there's, there's an incredible amount of, uh, you know, what you could call equality, even though equality is not even desirable. But let's just look at food and beverages at uh, your local grocery store. You can go to restaurants that strictly cater to people in lower income brackets. Subway isn't thinking, how do we get Elon Musk to eat here? Well, he's only one guy. You wouldn't even, you'd hardly make any money. The goal is for there uh, to be appeal to mass consumers. Things like, you know, alarm systems for your house, property protection, one of the most uh, important things in life. We actually have a lot of data to back this up. This is from Stephen Moore of the Wall Street Journal. He wrote a book called Who's the Fairest of Them All? The Truth About Opportunity, Taxes, and Wealth in America. What he does is he looks at the percentage of households that own these items, all households in 1970, and then poor households in 2005. The items he uh, focuses on are washing machine, clothes dryer, dishwasher, refrigerator, stove, microwave, color TV, video, cassette, DVD, personal computer, telephone, cell phone, and air conditioner. He actually cites the Dallas Federal Reserve uh, Census Bureau data. 
And what we see from this is that in every case of these vitally important things, as a causal result of there being more of a free market in these areas, more poor people in 2005 had access to these products and services than all people in America did in 1970. So here is a competing concept of equality. All persons have a duty to engage in only voluntary exchanges with others and have the right to not be defrauded or aggressed against. Whereas inequality could be described as a small group of people called government having the right to rule hundreds of millions of strangers with the threat of caging all who disobey their arbitrary commandments. I think one of the great lies is that if the state does it, well, that's what we all have in common. We're all involved with them. Therefore, we'll all get equal access if the state uh, controls something like health care. Well, the state currently controls education. Does that mean everyone is guaranteed an education? No. So if the state monopolizes, coercively funds, and guarantees health care, doesn't mean you're going to get health care. In Cuba, they have, you know, all these guarantees, but you have people escaping there on trash rafts uh, to get into a more free market society of America. Finally, I'd like to quote Larkin Rose from his book, The Most Dangerous Superstition. If human beings are so careless, stupid, and malicious that they cannot be trusted to do the right thing on their own, how would the situation be improved by taking a subset of those very same careless, stupid, and malicious human beings and giving them societal permission to forcibly control all the others? Thank you for watching Keith Knight, Don't Tread on Anyone, and The Libertarian Institute. Thanks for listening. A few more points on inequality, which I mean to expand upon at my new Substack, psychosocial.substack.com. So for one thing, inequality says nothing about how well or badly people are doing, only that some people are doing better than others. So if you just looked at the data in South Africa, you'd be like, well, inequality has really increased amongst blacks in South Africa. Well, yeah, that's because 6 million people, black people, entered the middle class. So you're seeing people's living standards rise, but then the inequality goes up. And, you know, the inequality junkies are going to be like, actually, someone said to me once at a humanist meeting when I mentioned how poverty had gone down in India, they said, well, poverty may have gone down, but inequality has gone up. I mean... I felt like I was listening to a satire of a leftist. I, I thought people were joking when people said that leftists would rather everyone was equal and poor than unequal and more wealthy. But no, that's what the guy actually said. I wish that I'd pulled him up on it because it would have been interesting to hear what he had to respond when I pointed out that that's completely misanthropic. Well, I don't really mind if they're poor, just as long as they're equal. So another thing is inequality obviously says nothing about why some people are doing well while others are doing badly. Like obviously feudal lords get rich from completely different reasons than business people do. And monks are poor for different people than different reasons than the people of Afghanistan are poor. So under what circumstances are people getting rich? You know, obviously, we've got a lot of people getting rich because they're in bed with government, but it's important to make that nuance of explaining. 
And even so, do they un- do people understand that the fact that people do have a large quantity of wealth, that that wealth, they're not spending that wealth. That isn't benefiting them personally. That Well, I mean, it is in the sense that their bank figures are going up and up. But it's that wealth that is invested in the factories and the machines and the technological processes which make all our stuff cheaper which are actually building third world countries so there are circumstances where people get rich just by stealing essentially using the government that does happen and the thing is it's not that common for a regime to be based completely on looting because if you just look If the only reason why people get rich is because they just loot the people, then the people aren't rich anymore and there's no wealth to loot. If you, if people can't start businesses, then there's no wealth to loot. So usually what we find is these companies that half, you know, serve the public and half are um, using the government to secure a monopoly position in a market. And that really has to be teased out because obviously if those markets were non-monopolistic, then they'd serve the customer better and we'd get wealthier faster. In addition to which, it's worth mentioning, it's always worth mentioning when people talk about how third world countries are poor, that it's really hard for anyone to go in and start a business there. Sometimes you need three years to get a license for a business, you need to bribe the cops, you never know when people are going to come in and take the business off you. So they give special privileges to a few big companies that are allowed to go in and as a consequence of that the wages are lower. Um, If they let all the companies in and the wages were higher then those those countries would develop faster Would our products be more expensive? Maybe they'd be more expensive. Maybe we wouldn't be, maybe we are benefiting. But um, that's that's in the the short term, in the long term, so much more productivity would be created, so much more innovation would be created that um, it would be better for us. Also, I mean, it's, you know, um, there's, there's lots of barriers to free trade with these countries. Our governments don't let us import goods and services from every country in the world. So that creates, I guess, inequality between nations, but more importantly, it sustains poverty. So to back to the central point, look, pointing at the inequality figures does nothing to say why some people are rich and some people are poor. It just says that they are. It doesn't say how the rich people are getting rich and it doesn't say why the poor people are poor. Is it because they can't start businesses? Is it because they need occupational licenses? Is it because they need to bribe the cops? Is it because Western countries refuse to buy their goods? Um, You know, there's a million ways that the government can intervene to make it harder for poor people to climb the economic ladder. On a free market, companies would be rushing to the poorest countries in the world to employ people because that's where the cheap labor is and that would be profitable and by doing so they build up those countries. Inequality figures also don't tell you if things are getting better or worse because they're just a snapshot. So again you know you could decrease inequality tomorrow by simply making everyone impoverished but that wouldn't be favorable. Another thing is they're abstract, they don't take into 
they don't track the progress of individuals through a lifetime. So everyone's born into the bottom quintile, the bottom income bracket. And when you turn 18, people turn 18 every day, they're in the bottom income bracket, typically. And that doesn't include the time dimension. So when you've got lots of people coming into the economy, maybe people are getting richer. Maybe millions and millions of immigrants are coming in from poor countries, but they're entering the bottom quintile. And and then 10 years later, they might be rich. So, but you, if you just looked at the figures, you'd think we were, we were talking about the same people. The inequality, especially if it's relative, if it's relative um, poverty were mentioned, measuring, which is a relative rate, it's going to look like the inequality figure is the same because it's relative. But it's not. It's, uh, over that period of 20, 30 years, everyone's got richer. Most people have got richer. Um, it's not the same people who are in the bottom that were 20 years ago. It's the young workers, students and immigrants. So basically, there's three things you need to do to avoid being poor in the USA. Finish high school, get a job and keep it for a year and don't have children before you get married. If you do those three things, you have a less than 2% chance of ending up in poverty. And then it's true that some people come from disadvantaged backgrounds, um, abuse or just a, a crap neighborhood where no one has any ambition and they make fun of people who do have ambition and you can get beaten up for doing well in school or badly in school. You've got abusive um, or neglectful parents and destroying inequality in the sort of income sense is not going to solve that problem. Um, you know, about 70% of people who win the lottery or get a big windfall actually end up broken a few years according to the natural sorry the national endowment for financial education so programs to give people that are from a disadvantaged background a leg up they need to be extremely well designed because we've tried giving trillions and trillions of dollars away to the poor over 50 years 55 years and it's not solved poverty it's just perpetuated it so programs need to be designed to give people a leg up and the only way we can really do that is turn it over to charity and let the charities compete and show which ones are the most effective at ending poverty because the government doesn't know how to do it. So yeah, I, so all the sympathy for the small percentage of people who, who are disadvantaged and, you know, they're, they, they've got no good role models around them, but redistribution alone is not going to solve that problem. It's just not going to do it. We've tried that already. So, and, and that is what all this equality, inequality junkieism is all about. It's always a drum that's being banged for the forcible, the forcible redistribution of wealth. They're never talking about why restrictions and markets are making people poor. They're never talking about all the stuff I talk about in my book, Universal Basic Income For and Against. Please go on Amazon and buy 10 copies of it and give it to all of your friends so that they can learn about why people are poor and how to make them rich. So, you know, in addition to all the welfare spending, you can add the $620 billion a year spent on education. Um, so it's like 
that these are the, the the government's already attempted to solve income inequality but i mean if it was just as simple as punching jeff bezos and bill gates in the face and taking their billions and giving it to poor people we would have done it already right that's not the that's not the way that we solve poverty so basically the inequality figures were there to drive people to outrage and advocate tackling poverty through state power um it's not going to do anything to solve people having low skills or reform the education system or open up markets to allow people to employ hire and fire people it's not going to lower direct and indirect taxes on people in low with low income so that they have a better standard of living it's not going to reduce the cost of living by stopping people from importing cheaper goods abroad, stop intervening in the house market, let people build houses so that the price of rent goes down in places like LA where they're not allowed to build up or New York where, you know, they won't let people build so they put rent controls in instead. So this is, this the, talking about inequality isn't going to solve the cause of why there is still people on low incomes, which is because they've got lack of skills and a lack of capital. They, 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 they're not invest, they've not got a passive income and they've not got a source of good active income, whatever the opposite of a passive income is. So according to the inequality junkies, people just mysteriously have stuff. There's no difference between the habits and skills of rich and poor people. Um, and you know it's not uh, it's not the idea that people get rich by working hard or sacrificing taking risks and deferring their current spending or getting education learning about how to invest learning what whichever skills are appropriate for obtaining more cash right it's just magic right it's not that poor people drop out of high school have kids before they they're married and um you know can't hold down a job etc you know there's no agency involved it's just magic okay so if you want to get rich you figure out how to solve a problem for people and then you solve it for lots of people you get good at it and then you automate that process and then you can solve that problem for more people and lo and behold presto you get rich to get rich in a free market you have to provide value to other people so by getting the government coercion out of the market you'll be doing more to ensure that those who are getting rich are getting rich by making those in poverty less poor or more rich by in the process of getting rich by providing them with better standards of living as keith said they're not trying to get jeff bezos to come into their cafe and buy their mocha chocolate, caramel, frappe, latte, you know, they want as many people to buy it as possible. That means they want the people at the bottom to be able to afford it.